0: Thank you for listening to Jubilee Tri-Valley's podcast. Today's podcast is part one of our sermon series entitled, Instigating a Miracle. Please enjoy. Anyway, great to have you here today. We are. This is the best week to be here. I always tell people that. There's nothing worse than rolling in on a series and be like, yeah, yeah, welcome to part four as we wrap this thing up. Everything we said won't make sense, but we're glad you're here anyway. Um, I don't ever do that I always do like a recap but anyway you're here on week one of a series called instigating a miracle um, I don't really remember where this idea came from uh, It was years ago that I just had this moment and this thought and I started reading and I got on a journey And this was my journey there was something that I had the spark that had, had, had gone off in me And it provoked me to go into the scriptures and I just wanted to ask myself one question When I look at all the miracles that jesus performed, how did it happen? What was the motivation? What was the dynamics of the story? And what took place? And what I really wanted to know was this. Was it all just Jesus showing up and saying, you know what? I just feel like doing a miracle today. Bam. You know, I, I just wanted to know, did he just say, see a person and say, you know what? That's, I have just incredible compassion. I'm just going to heal you. I know you're broke down and tore up from the floor. I'm just going to help you out. But what I noticed was is that the majority of the miracles did not happen like that. There's some. But the majority of the miracles that Jesus performed, what I noticed was, and I asked myself the questions I studied, is there a human element? Is there something that a normal, ordinary person, just like me and you, did to maybe create a chain reaction, to maybe trigger this thing? I wanted to know, could you instigate a miracle? Because when I read scripture, even in the Old Testament, I found these things that were just different than the way I'd always been taught about God and the Bible and, and prayer and all how this always this works. And so this is what I determined, though, the reason why this is important is because at some point in your life, in my life, we're going to need a miracle. Can I get you just now that's not my prayer for you. I don't don't come into this series thinking that I want you to live on miracles. I don't. You know what I want you to live on? I want you to live on wisdom, biblical principle. I want you to live on truth. I want you to live, you know, like put it this way. If you need a financial miracle every other week, that's a bad sign. I'd rather you be a great steward and be prosperous because, you know, if you need a healing miracle every other week, that's not not where you want to be in life. You want to be living in hell. But every once in a while, you're going to need a miracle, something extraordinary, something out of the ordinary, something amazing, something that seems to just to defy the odds, to defy science, to defy normalcy. Your friends will look at you weird when you tell that story. Other people won't believe you. You're going to need one of those every once in a while. The the, the word miracle comes from the the Latin word miraculum, which means something wonderful. Sometimes we just need that in our life. And, And if you look back on your life, here's what I would dare to guess too. If you look back on your life, you would see some miracles. At the time, you maybe not even thought about it too much. But in looking back, you're like, wow. I can't believe what God did or what God brought me through or what God kept me from. And there's these different instances that you'll look in your life. I remember this one time um, I was with my buddy Robert. We're 16 years old and we're stupid. Because every 16 year old is stupid. Um, If you're 16, you don't know that yet. When you're 20, you'll know that. And then when you're 25, you realize that your 20 year old self wasn't very smart either. But uh, anyway... 16 years old, me and my buddy Robert, We, you know, I did not know Jesus, and I was wild and reckless and crazy. And we, and we had this car that had a sunroof, and we're driving it, and we're acting wild and crazy. And we had this idea that we could change drivers while we were driving on a wet road after it had been raining early that day. See where this was going? And sure enough, we... We have big yards in South Carolina where I was raised. We don't. We have small yards in California or no yards. But we have big yards. Like I, had to, I, I hated mowing the lawn as a kid because I had to mow a football field. Um, like big, big yards. And so anyway, in South Carolina, we're, we're driving and we lose control of the car. I think I'm hanging through the sunroof. I don't know how this, I, I didn't lose my life, clearly. Um, but we end up in this person's yard. And we lose control of the car in such a way where, you know, when you lose control of the car and then you have no idea really what's going on around you that level of lose control of the car and and sure enough we finally come to a stop we get out say some things i'm sure and we're like oh my god oh my god what just happened we look behind us and sure enough we had gone through two people's yards full of trees and had literally like slalomed through the trees without any control of the car and we're like wow and that was the day i knew god was real i'm just kidding um that was the day I knew God had a purpose for my life. It didn't actually change my life. It took other stupid things to happen too. But anyway, my my point is this, is sometimes you look back on things in your life and you say, that had to have been God. God must have been doing something that was miraculous. That was amazing. And so hopefully you don't live off those. But every once in a while you're going to need one. You're going to need something to be amazing and extraordinary in your life. And again, when you look at Jesus, he's doing all kinds of different miracles. He's He's opening up blind eyes. He's raising people from the dead. He's turning water into wine, not just regular wine, good wine, according to the master of the ceremony. I mean, he's walking on water. He takes two pieces of fish, five loaves of bread, and he somehow feeds what people approximate to be around 10,000 people which is one of those miracles that could have easily been refuted because anybody that was there would have remembered. Because, I mean, you know, like when you're at a party, you're in a place and you're hungry and they didn't feed you like they said they were going to feed you, you remember that forever and you never go back to their party again. I believe that miracle happened. They would have mobbed, they would have probably killed Jesus had he not fed them. So anyway... My point is, there's some incredible miracles. When you look into the Old Testament, incredible miracles. I mean, Joshua praise God and let the sun stand still for a moment. There's parting of the Red Sea. There's all these incredible moments. These miracles that we all need in life. The question is this, is if it's possible to trigger, to kickstart a miracle, how do you do that? And I just found some fascinating things in the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you would, go with me to the Bible real quick here. And go with me to Mark chapter five, and it'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. But Mark chapter five, there's an incredible story, and it begins with this. It begins, and I won't read the whole thing because it's quite a a long description, but it's about this woman. And the Bible says that this woman had an issue of bleeding for for years and years and years and years and years. She could not get better. She had gone to see every doctor available and had literally spent all of her money trying to get better. I mean, that's a bad scenario. When the doctors don't know what to do, you don't got no more money to do specialists or to experimental drugs. I mean, you got nothing. And so sure enough, she, in her despair, sees Jesus walking by. She sees a crowd mobbing all around him. And she determines in her mind, you know what? I'm just going to get to this guy because I've heard that he does miracles. And if I can just get to him, and this is the moment where she says to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, maybe I could be healed. Which is amazing because really this is prophecy fulfilled. If you know, that I don't have the time to break the whole story down. It's incredible. This woman being uh, with an issue of blood all of her life would have made her unclean in Jewish culture. Meaning like you couldn't hang out with other people. You couldn't touch other people. You were tameh, you were unclean. Like if you were sitting down in that sofa, uh, you just made that sofa unclean. I mean, so this woman had all kinds of social barriers and social issues. She wasn't supposed to touch other people because if you touch them, you would make them unclean she didn't care she sees this crowd following jesus and she says if i could just touch the hem of his garment which is really the word uh which is uh the 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 rabbis used to wear a prayer shawl and at the edge of the prayer shawl there were the tassels everybody say tassels there was these tassels and and that's in essence what she was talking about it wasn't saying if i could just touch you know the cuff on his suit pant that was not what she was talking about on his prayer shawl there was a tassel and she said if i can just touch the tassel now listen in the book in the Old Testament, the prophet said this the prophet said that the Son of God would rise with healing in his wings. The word wings is the exact same word for tassel that they use in the New Testament. And this was literally prophecy being fulfilled as she says, You know what? I believe that's the Son of God, and there is healing in those tassels. It's crazy. So she sure enough, she's all in all of her uncleanness, she fights through the crowd, touching unclean, unclean, unclean. It was like duck, duck goose. It was like duck. Everybody's unclean. And the Bible says that she touches Jesus. Let's read it. Verse number 30. The Bible says that she touches Jesus and power goes out of him. And this is what he says. It goes that once Jesus realized that power or virtue had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? The disciples in their, you know, pretty logical reply. They said, well, uh, Jesus, you see this entire mob around you. I don't know if you noticed this or not. Um, And yet you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, your Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. Notice she didn't say, Daughter, God has healed you today. Didn't say, Daughter, I have healed you today. He said, Daughter, your faith. Has healed you today, and you know what it was? There's a there's a Hebrew word for this. It's a kind of a Yiddish word. Everybody say chutzpah. Yeah, it's a, are you familiar? With, raise your hand, real quick, You're familiar with this term. It's, yeah, it's a Yiddish word. It's a Hebrew word. It, it goes back into their language, back into this day and this form, and it's kind of even gotten a bad connotation now, to where it's almost like audacity taken to obnoxiousness. But back then it was just audaciousness. It was just this, I don't care. I'm going to fight. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be unrelenting. I'm going to keep fighting and pressing and going for it no matter what. And this woman had chutzpah. Think about it. She was willing to go to every doctor she could find. She was willing to spend every penny that she could. And even then she was willing to make everybody else unclean too. Just so that she could get healed and literally fighting through a mob. Now, again, in this day and culture, women didn't have a lot of value and respect. And so this little woman here is who's sick and been sick for a long, long time. She just started unclean, unclean, just touching, moving elbows, kick him out of the way. She had to fight through a mob of people to get to Jesus. And she did not care because she had something called chutzpah. So what we would just say is audacious, persistent, radical. Faith. Just kind of the go for it faith. Go for bro. Who cares? And some of us, we need that exact same thing. And I'll tell you where they get it from. They get it from looking back into the Old Testament and reading about some of their forefathers. Because see, what every Jewish person knew was the scriptures. And what these people knew was that there were some guys in the Old Testament who had some chutzpah. They had some things that would make us uncomfortable today. We are nice in America. Have you ever go to a third world country? people aren't that nice you ever been driving in a third world country it's awful yeah i mean you just get run off the road people yell people honk people there's a there's just a there's a grind to it a persistence to a pushiness to life in other we're nice in america especially if you go to like minnesota canadians they're nice people they wouldn't last in israel you know what i'm saying they get run over And the reason why is it goes back, listen to these words. I want you to go, and and I want you to read with me this thought, this story from the life of Abraham. Abraham, the father of our faith, he has this encounter with God. And the, the way this is all working is this, is that God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. We, many of us have heard that story. We probably don't know why he really wanted to destroy it. It didn't have to do with the fact that there was homosexuals there. Uh, there was a lot more going on to it than that. It was, this, it was a city. These two joined cities together. And he said, you know what? They're wicked, they're heinous, they're evil. We're gonna destroy them because the punishment has to come for how wicked and heinous they are. And listen to what happens. Listen to what Abraham says. Abraham says, look, look what he says to God in verse number 23. He says, then Abraham approached God and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing. To kill the righteous with the wicked. Treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, God. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Who talks like that to God? If if we were around somebody who talked to God, we'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We'd be ducking for cover. Lightning's going to strike. You need to shut up. Shh. The audacity for you to talk to God like that. Here's what's crazy. Keep reading the story. God says, okay, fine. If there's 50 people there, I will destroy the city. And then Abraham stays at it and starts negotiating with him and bargaining with him. It starts going, what about 43? What well, can we do 43? It's like, it's like, can we do five, can we do this, can we see that? And just, it's just, because because auction all the way down to like 10 people. God, God, if you can find 10, and the reality is this, there was not even 10 righteous people in the whole city. And so God still destroyed the city, but the audacity of Abraham to ask God a question is just amazing. Who talks to God like that? And the craziness is that God responds. Now, don't get me wrong. You better do it right. Don't be getting arrogant, don't be getting rude, don't be getting disrespectful because what Abraham follows up to say is this. He says, God, I know I'm nothing but ashes and dust, but I've got a question for you. So he states it, and this is what you need to do whenever you've got prayers, whenever you've got questions, whenever you've got things that you don't understand, whenever you need a miracle and it's not coming through, you need to go to God and ask for help and ask why and ask for a miracle and plead with God. Be a little pushy if you need to. It's okay. Do it respectfully recognizing that when you come to god you come to god with empty hands you've got nothing to give him you've got nothing to offer him but the very fact that you would go and ask him a question says god at least you know the answer because i don't know and the humility to say i i'm willing to ask and the faith to ask because sometimes we're afraid to ask the question what if we just have the faith to ask the question what if we just say god i don't understand but i trust that you know the answer and I'm not sure if I'll ever figure it out. I'm not even sure if my brain could handle what you know, but I, I'm at least willing to ask a question. Here's a thought. Could it be that God enjoys your questions? You know this to be true. How many of you have ever had this moment where like a friend comes to you and like, you know what, I could really use your advice on something. How does that make you feel? You're like, well, certainly. I'd love to shed some light on the situation. How might my, how my, my insight help you today? Could I pass along a nugget of wisdom, maybe a proverb? You feel great about you. Could could it be that God, not in the same way, but similar maybe, that God is like, I'm just so glad they came. I'm so glad they asked. I'm so glad they recognized that they didn't know. Many of us walk through life just assuming we already know better. And we see the audacity of Abraham to engage and to ask. Let's keep reading genesis uh, is the story of abraham let's move forward to moses moses is the same again these are heroes of the faith to these people and this is what moses says when moses brings the people of israel out of egypt he goes up on mount sinai he gets the big 10 commandments he gets all the law and all this stuff is going down you know what the people of israel are doing they got really moronic here Um, they decide that moses has been gone too long we don't know what to do, let's build an idol. So they build a golden, they they literally like, can I get your earrings, can I get your necklace, can I get that little anklet thing? And they they take all the gold and they build a calf, idol, and they say, this is God. We'll just worship this, brilliant idea. And so God sees this. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the 10 commandments, number two is don't make idols. So immediately we're off on the wrong foot here. And and so they make an idol right out of the gate and God is furious, God is angry. And how quickly... They've rebelled at how quickly they've just disobeyed, how quickly they've forgotten. I'm the one that brought you out with ten plagues and sparting the Red Sea. See this and you forgot? It's like 40 days ago. Come on. That's the way I would be. Listen to this. Listen to what God says in light of what these people have done. Exodus 32, verse 9 I have seen these people, says the Lord. They're stiff necked, meaning they're stubborn. He goes, now this is what he says. This is God speaking to Moses. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them. And then I will make you into a great nation. Now that's a great proposition. What if we did that to you, John? What if we said, look, we're going to knock all these people out. We're going to start over with just you. You're awesome. We're going to start over with you. You'd be flattered. You'd be like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. You know, that's the way you would be. You'd be like, just kill them all. We'll start over with just me. It's going to be awesome. We're going to look good. And, But Moses sought the favor of the Lord. This is what we all need to do when we pray. He sought the favor of the Lord his God and said this. Audacity. Oh Lord, why should your anger burn against your people? Whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. He's flattering them. God, you're so great. Powerful. You, you know... Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out here to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? So turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore. You swore You swore by your own self, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and this will be their inheritance Forever. Do you see? This is incredible bargaining here. But God, you are strong and mighty. You brought him out and it was awesome. And the Egyptians, what are they going to say? I mean, they're going to talk bad about us. They're going to make us look bad. And don't you remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You promised. Promise is a promise. I think we need to change our mind. This is what he says to God. I'm not making this up. This is in your Bible. Verse 14, then the Lord relented. And did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. I'm just throwing out an idea. Could it be that Moses changed his mind? I just read the Bible. Could it be that some things are set in motion. But that you have the ability to interject. And change the course of history. Could it be that maybe God had intended this. But because of your prayers. Because of your audacious faith. Because of what you did. Maybe God would say you know what. I can respect that. Okay. The Bible says that he relented. You know what that means? He changed his mind. He had compassion and he changed his mind. And here we see these, this is weird, isn't it? We don't normally read the Bible like this. This has never dawned on us. Wait a minute. What if what we did mattered? What if my prayers changed the course of history? Could it be that nothing stands outside of the power of prayer except for that which truly lies outside of the will of God? What if we could change something? What if we could make a difference with our prayers? Many of us are so determined that that's just fate. And that's just the way it's set. And that's just the way God intended it to be. And we assume, well, God is just always concrete. What if God is flexible? What if God changes things when you pray? Because you pray. You want to see some more chutzpah? Matthew chapter 15. Look at this story. The Bible says that there's this woman... That comes to Jesus, she's a Canaanite, she's, let's just read it, verse number 21 of Matthew 15, it says, that when Jesus left that place, that he, re- he withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, here's what you need to know, is any person reading this story would know, this is like being a Raider fan from Oakland, that's how bad this is. So like, Tyre and Sidon had been cursed, they had been spoken against by half of the Old Testament prophets, it's just doomed. That was a joke, nobody left that. Are you Raider fans in here? I relent. So the Bible says that she's from the wrong side of the tracks, the worst part of town, the worst cities you could be from. They'd already been cursed, and she's a Canaanite woman. That's what it says. It says that a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to Jesus, crying out, saying, Lord, Son of David... Have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. This Canaanite woman, that just means she's not Jewish. She has no covenant with God. She's not on the inside as of now. She doesn't have any commitment to God. You know how earlier Moses was saying, Remember, you promised, and a promise is a promise. She doesn't have a promise, just nothing. She said, look, I'm from the wrong side of the tracks, and I know I'm wrong. And I'm a woman on top of that. Again, women not having any real credible value. Like if you were uh, witnessing a crime, they wouldn't even allow a woman to testify. It didn't matter. Women didn't hold value in this day and time. And so she was a woman, didn't have a covenant with God, wrong side of the tracks, got a crazy daughter. Have mercy on me. Jesus did not answer a word. Now that doesn't sound like Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but the picture I grew up with Jesus is that Jesus had like blonde flowing hair, blue eyes, and a nice white robe. He was blessing the little children. He was always kind. And the Bible says that in this moment, she is ignored. The disciples came to him and urged Jesus, saying, send her away because she keeps nagging us. And he answered to her and says, I'm sorry, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. What he was saying was, look, I have a mission To help redeem the Jewish people. And after that the floodgates will open to the Gentiles. But for now I'm sorry. That's just not my mission. I'm not on point there yet. And the woman came and then knelt before him. And said Lord help me. And he replied it is not right to take the children's bread. And toss it to the dogs. Wow. First he ignores her. Then he excludes her. And then he just insults her. You've never read this like this before have you. If I had time, I could break this down. This, didn't, this wasn't as insulting as it sounds. This in their terminology would have been understood. It would have been applicable. It wasn't nearly as harsh as what it sounds today. But Jesus is still drawing a line. Ultimately, she's saying, I'm desperate and I need a miracle. And he says what? And let me just help you out real quick. This is in essence how all prayers work. I don't know if you know this or not, but all prayers end up with one of three answers. When you ask God for something, when you pray earnestly and persistently for something, the answer is either yes, no, or not yet. It's the only three answers it can be, isn't it? It's either yes, no, not yet. And right now the answer is no. So the Bible says that she replies, and she's got some spots. The Bible says she replies and says, yes, Lord. Everybody say, everybody say, yes, Lord. Best thing ever can come out of your mouth Just yes, Lord. Just start there. Yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She says, yes, Lord. I know. You're right. And you're always right. But. Even the crumbs fall down and the dogs need to pick up the crumbs. And you know what? The Bible says, listen to how Jesus responds, that he answers and says, woman, you have great faith. It's the Greek word megas. It means mega faith. Crazy. This is over. uh, This is off the chart faith. Jesus says this twice in all of the four accounts of the gospels. Once to this woman and one to another guy we'll look at later in this series. But he looks at her and says, you got some incredible, you're not even Jewish. You're not supposed to believe in God like this. You're not supposed to have faith like this. This It's incredible. You've got some great, audacious, persistent, nagging faith. Wasn't she nagging earlier? Yeah, she didn't stop. She just kept with her hutzpah, with her audacity, with even to the borderline of being obnoxious, but not yet getting disrespectful and pressing and persisting and pressing and persisting and saying, God, I'm just going to keep bugging you and I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep nagging you and I'm going to stay after this. I pr- I, there's another parable that Jesus tells. I'm telling you, this is all throughout the Bible. There's this parable that he says, there's this woman who has uh, basically an offense against her. This guy's attacking her, victimizing her. And he goes, she goes to an unjust judge not a good judge, an unjust judge. And the Bible says that she nags him and nags him and nags him. And the Bible says, even though he doesn't help her because he's a good judge, he helps her just so she'll shut up. And then Jesus concludes the parable by saying, how much more will your loving Heavenly Father help you when you stay persistent and consistent in prayer? I'm telling you this, that if you want to start a fight, if you want to trigger a miracle, if you want to kickstart a miracle, you got to get this thing going. And it always starts with, yes, Lord, and I'm going to stay at it. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to have some borderline obnoxious but definitely audacious faith. That's how you start a miracle. I remember years ago, um, I didn't grow up like around the grill barbecues were not my forte i grew up like my dad was like a hunter and a fisher and and we had some manly aspects to my home i grew up on sports and and steak and it was just you know very manly home but i had this one missing part in my manhood and it was that nobody ever taught me how to grill can i get anybody out there relate with me at all thank you thank you we're the only wussies in here thanks great So I remember years ago saying, you know what, babe, I'm going for it. It was like Labor Day weekend, and it was just one of those weekends where you're supposed to grill. If you're American, you grill. And I thought, I'm American. I remember asking Tara Lee, hey, what's what's on the menu? What are we going to do for Labor Day weekend? And she was like, well, there's this nice penne pasta salad, and there's this. And I'm like, man, that ain't right. And I felt like my manhood was challenged, and I said, baby, it's just time. So I went down to Lowe's. Or Osh or someplace like, I can't remember which one. And I, I just went and got me a classic old school black Weber grill. You know what I'm talking about? Just them old classic ones. There ain't nothing, you don't turn no buttons. There ain't no, no, no gas. I got me a big old hunking bag of Kingsford charcoal. And I just determined, baby, we're doing burgers and dogs. That's what we're doing. This is Labor Day or memorial, whatever it was, and I remember getting, and nobody ever told me how this was supposed to go down, like I, so I'm like calling guys, I'm trying to get instructions, and for the life of me, I got everything set as best to my knowledge, and the best of my knowledge, I can't get that thing started, I'm, I'm, I'm trying everything I can, and I didn't know that you had to like set the coals, and then wait, and let them to, 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 you know, get a nice gray, I didn't, I didn't know any of this stuff, I'm still a noob at this whole grilling charcoal thing, and so I'm trying everything I can, and I can't get it started. And that's where some of you are at today too. You got the meat. You got the buns. You got, you got the condiments. You got the, the right weekend. You got, you got all the ingredients, but you can't get it started. You know what I learned? I learned if you put enough lighter fluid on anything, you can get it to burn. That's what I learned. It didn't taste that good. A lot of lighter fluid taste in your burger that day. But bless God, I got it started. And that's the key. That's the thing that you and I all need. Sometimes we got all the ingredients. We got the need. We got the desperation. We got the want. And I'm telling you that if you want to instigate a miracle, if you want to provoke. Now, let 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 me set this straight here. You can't buy a miracle. You can't come in and see how big of a check you can write and buy a miracle. You can't formulate a miracle. I think that's stupid. I hear that out of Christianity sometimes. Well, if you'll just say this phrase and pray this prayer and do this thing and send me this money and get this hanky or do this weird thing or do do incantation. No, 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 no. We're not weird. You cannot formulate a miracle. You can't walk out of here and say I've got it if I put X, Y, and Z together. Then poof. Mm -mm. It's it's so unique. It's so dynamic. When you see the men and women of the Bible getting miracles, there wasn't a formula to it. You just saw these principles in play. And I'm telling you that during this series, we're going to look at what are the principles. And I found that there's seven different unique principles that will start a fire, that will kickstart a miracle. And the very first one we see here on week one is this, is that some people had some hutzpah, Some people had some persistent, audacious, faith unrelenting go after it like a pit bull hanging on their noses slanted backwards so they can breathe without letting go they're going to stay after it and that's how they're going to pray that's how they're going to persist there's this last story there's this guy named Honey. everybody say honi he was a rabbi a, a scribe around the first century and he's got this story in the talmud where they refer to Honey as being a great rabbi who did miracles as well there were many rabbis that did miracles Jesus wasn't the only one and and Jesus is the only one that was the son of God that died for our sins but Honi was a miracle worker and they said that he had incredible prayers and so during a great drought they came to Honi and they say Honi we need you to pray for rain and he said I've been praying for rain but then he got audacious about it he got a little chutzpah underneath his prayer and so this is what he did you can actually find this is recorded in the Talmud which is the ancient Jewish writings he went out and drew a circle And he stood in that circle and he said, God, I won't leave this circle until you bring the rain. Now, that's some audacity. I'm not going to leave this circle until you bring the rain. And he stayed in that circle and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And this is recorded. The Bible says that soon, shortly after he began to pray, that God began to send little raindrops. do you think, oh, how sweet. It's not the end of the story. He actually continues to pray. and says, Lord, I didn't pray for little baby raindrops. I prayed for some real rain that would actually end this drought. And so the, the Talmud records that then it began to rain so heavy that it was like violent rain. And then he didn't stop praying. He said, God, I did not ask for you to destroy us with your rain. I asked for you to send like a nice rain, kind of a medium, maybe a number seven. Okay, it's not exactly like that. But that's what he says. I, I, I wanted you to bring rain that brought peace and restoration. And the, Bible, or the Talmud says that the rain began to lift And then just to begin to reign at a nice steady pace. And they were blown away by this. And all the Pharisees and the scribes of that time who knew Honey, they said these words. And I'll read them for you. They said, "Honey, had it been anyone else but you, I would have had you excommunicated. But what can I do when you implore God and he grants your request? You're like a spoiled child begging his indulgent father. Whatever he wants, his father gives him." It's 10 after you've taken medicine. What if what if our prayers actually said a lot about who we are? What if our prayers said a lot about our faith and how we believe and what we pray? Cuz I think your prayers can indicate a lot. Some of us, our prayers are really really small, which ultimately says that you don't believe God is all that powerful. So we pray for small things. Some of us Don't pray for the little things in life. Sometimes you got to pray for the tiny things, the little things. Your your dog goes missing, you pray, God, bring back my dog. But we don't pray for those things. And you know what that tells me is that we don't believe that our God is personal. But what I know is that God is both personal and powerful. He is both. And maybe our prayers should be a little bit more audacious. Maybe our prayers should be bigger. Maybe they should be more persistent, more consistent, more just... Audacious, maybe we should go for it a little bit more. What I'm telling you this is that if you want to get that miracle started, the first thing that you need to set in motion is some chutzpah. Some push through the crowd. Don't care. Irritate some other people. I don't care. Ask some difficult questions. Don't care. Pray for huge things over and over and over and don't let go until it comes. And then at the same time be okay if God doesn't bring me the answer that I want. Here's a thought. What if prayer is really not about the outcome anyway? What if prayer is really about the one that we're praying to? What if it's really more about the fact that we just came to him with humility in our heart? What if we just came to him with the faith that said, God, I know that you can. That There's nothing too big for you. There's nothing that you can't do. You know, there's a scripture that we probably all are familiar with. It's a saying that Jesus had. And he said it a few different times in scripture. And he says this. With God all things are possible. You know it's almost like one of those things where he was daring us. Why would Jesus say that. If he didn't want you to believe for some possible things. Some big things. Some huge things. What if when he said. Hey I just want you to know with man things are. You know there's some things that are impossible. But with God all things are possible. It was as if he was saying I dare you. When you were kids, did you ever dare your brother and sister to do something stupid? Like, come on, I dare you. And then we would up the ante and say, I double dare you. And then we'd be like, no, 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 I triple dog dare you. What if one of those scriptures was God saying, I dare you? I know that with people, all things are impossible, but with God, all things become possible. I dare you to believe for a miraculous thing, to believe for big things, and that even when the answer doesn't come that you want to be okay and still trust that God is a big God who still loves you and maybe His plan just was too different to where He wasn't going to budge on that one and He had something more important going on and if you would just trust Him, maybe your prayer was more about trusting Him than it was the outcome anyway. But that doesn't keep us from praying radical prayers, big prayers, audacious prayers. You want to kickstart a miracle? Real quickly, by show of hands, how many of you are in here today? We, we talked about this. At some point in life, we're all going to need a miracle. We don't want to live by those, but we need one. How many of you are in here today and say, man, I could use a miracle today. I could use something today. Good. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. As a matter of fact, if you raised your hand, keep that hand up in the air. God, these hands here today represent God needs. It represents desperation. But God, today, I hope it, I hope it represents some hoots. I hope it represents some people that just are persistent, almost obnoxious, unwavering. They're just going to stay at it no matter what. So, Father, we lift up these prayers to you today, God. You know what these needs are. God, we lift up these thoughts. We lift up these ideas. We lift up these requests. We lift, we lift up these needs. Some of them are huge needs, God. Some of the stuff that we're asking for defies logic and defies wisdom. It defies a lot. But God, we're not afraid to ask. And so God, we pray that you would send the rain. God, we pray that you would send the answer, God. And we pray above all that we would always be okay with whatever that answer is. That our heart would never waver. That we would always be trusting in you, God. But today, God, we determine as people, we're not going to be weak in our prayers. We're not going to pray small prayers. We're going to pray big prayers. And God, we're not going to pray it once and then quit after a day. We're not going to pray it twice and then quit after a week, God. But we will be... We're going to be steady. We're going to stay after it. We're going to be like this woman, willing to press through the crowd, like this woman. Doesn't care if she's ignored or overlooked or overshadowed, God. Keep on bargaining. Keep on asking. Keep on pressing, God. Because we believe that you are big. and We believe that you are good. And so, God, we trust our lives with you today, Lord God. God, have your way in our life. God, we, bring, we believe that all things work together for good to those that love you and are called according to your purpose, God. We thank you, God, for what you're up to in our midst. We believe that you are still a miracle-working God. God, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. you believe that shout? Amen? Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a big hand clap. Thank you again for listening to Jubilee Tri-Valley's podcast. For more information on Jubilee Tri-Valley Church, please visit us online at jtvchurch.org.